We're real life sisters, Kay and Chai, and we real life want to be your sisters too. Welcome to the family. No takesies, backsies. Now let's get on with the Kay and Chai Show. Hey family, welcome back to the Kay and Chai Show. This week, we're featuring some of our favorite books and authors, and we cannot wait to share these with you. We are so excited to get into it. So each day of the week, Monday through Thursday, you're going to get a different author with several books that we're going to discuss. And then of course, you got your Friday Roundup episode. Love that and love where we're starting off this week, which is Kay and I's number one recommendation for book. If you only take one recommendation, this is the one that we would give you. We love all of these books and all of these authors, but this is the most transformative book for us. And that's the book Untethered Soul by the author Michael Singer. Now, when we first encountered this book, it was the fall of 2019, and it was recommended to us uh, from a stage (laughs) by Tony Robbins, who said that he gifts this book to uh, people in his family for Christmas. And if it's good enough for Tony Robbins to gift to people, we figured that maybe it could be a gift to us. What we love about this book in particular, Untethered Soul, is the insights inside of it. You actually don't get to know the author at all in this book, but you do get to know his story in his next book called The Surrender Experiment. So if you find yourself listening to or reading The Untethered Soul and you really enjoy it, then we would highly recommend the other works by Michael Singer. He's even got a new book coming out in May of 2022 uh, called Living Untethered, how to take kind of the principles and the theories out of untethered soul and apply them to your life. But that big, most transformative idea out of untethered soul that was just soul shaking for us was this idea that you are not the voice in your head. Now, the voice in your head is something that you are probably pretty dang familiar with. In fact, let's just get familiar with it really quick. Uh, you know, um, I'm going to say a sentence or, or a quick phrase, and I just want you to think it back to yourself. Okay. So uh, let's just go la, 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 la. Now you think that in your own brain. Ready? Your turn. Bet you heard a little voice in there, <laughs> didn't you? Now, if you heard that voice singing la, 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 that means that you, in fact, have this narration inside. Most of us do. Yes, there is a very small sliver of the population that only thinks in pictures and does not think in in articulation of language. Um, But most of us hear a voice in our head dictating and narrating our entire lives. Now, one of the biggest, most transformative things that came from this book was the idea that if you can hear this voice, that if you, there is something or someone or some entity inside that is the listener of that voice. If you can hear it, then who's listening, right? Like that alone, just like pause and stop on that for a minute. Like if, if I was solely the voice, I wouldn't be able to hear it. If I was solely my emotional experience, I wouldn't be able to feel it, right? So this idea that that there is that voice in your head, but that's not you. That's not your 100% entire identity and your soul articulating to you. It's actually a function of your brain, right? And it helps keep us alive and it helps us discern our environment and make fast decisions. And we love our voice. In fact, your voice can be your best friend and, and your number one encourager and, and your thinking partner, but it for many of us can be a very detrimental uh, neurotic inner roommate, <laughs> as Michael Singer likes to say, that if somebody else outside of us was talking to us in the way that sometimes our voice narrates inside of our heads, we would call them crazy and we would kick them out. And this realization for us allowed us to feel that separation and then start to get back into the driver's seat where we can say, I understand and hear what you're saying voice. And I'm not even going to 
Spanish you were asking to stop, but I'm not going to accept or receive that as my identity. Well, if you're anything like us, you know, like Shyla said, sometimes that voice um, can be less than constructive. Have you ever had thoughts in your own head? Like, you know, you're looking in the mirror before you leave to go out and you find 18 flaws, right? You're, you're looking, your hair looks funny and, you know, oh, I, I feel weird in the clothing that I have, or I'm not looking forward to what's coming up in this space. And, and your thoughts end up harming your emotions or making you feel a certain way. And then you kind of get through it and you're like, man, that didn't feel very good. Or my, my inner self-talk isn't very constructive, but that degree of separation and understanding that that talk isn't you that you are the experience of that brain function. You're the experiencer, or at least you're an, you know, another part of that just helps you to bring some awareness that you don't always have to believe the not so nice things that your brain might say to you. Right, so this book is all about untethering your soul from that voice and allowing your soul to be what's in charge, be that awareness, that energy, that spark, that spirit, whatever it is that you wanna call it, it is the listener to that voice. And it is what we can put into the driver's seat, um, that consciousness piece. And we hope that, that this little dive into this one concept from the book maybe intrigues your interest enough to either listen to the Audible or read the book. Um, it's definitely our number one recommendation and a great place to start here in our book club series. All right, we're back again with another episode here in Book Club. Today, we're going to talk about Brene Brown. Many of you have likely heard of Brene. She recently released a book called Atlas of the Heart, but she has many best-selling books. Um, but the Atlas of the Heart has also taken off uh, with her HBO special of the same title. And we just love Brene and have been students of hers for almost a decade. Yeah, and she's been teaching and researching for decades. Uh, she lives in, I believe, Texas um, in the Houston area. She's a, a tenured professor and researcher and uh, really focuses on emotions, particularly starting out with the emotion of shame. She was a shame researcher for a long time and has um, expanded her, her emotional portfolio and research portfolio quite a bit since then. But her work has really helped bring the ideas of vulnerability and authenticity into organizations more so than I think anybody else's work at this time. Well, have loved what Brene has brought forward, you know, the, the subject of shame and vulnerability, especially as it plays into workplaces, hasn't been something that has been touched a whole lot, right? You think about work, you think about the office environment, you think about business, right? Do emotions have a place in business, right? Most people would likely say no, but Brene came forward and said, well, people have emotions and people have a place in business, which means emotions have a place in business too. Understanding how they operate and how they guide what the decisions that we make within our organizations and within our own selves and within our lives is incredibly fascinating. Pick up any of Brene Brown's books and you will, you'll love it and you will be fascinated. And if you are an Audible user as uh, Kay and I both are, she reads her books and, and as time has gone on, she gets more and more keen um, to developing the work 
towards a listening audience. She says, look, I listen to Audible and books all the time. Um, so I'm going to make this really easy for you as you listen. So I love, I just finished listening to Atlas of the Heart. There were several times where it starts to get a little researchy and then she'll say, let me read that to you again and break it down because this is really pivotal. I don't want you to miss it. If you're driving, like, listen to this and you're like, oh yeah, she's like literally talking to me right now. <laughs> and she'll go over it um, and it'll just be so transformative and informative. Well, this newest book and corresponding HBO special Atlas of the Heart has really been impactful uh, for me personally, because it has, it is an atlas of emotions. So she goes through the 84 emotions that we know through research um, exist within a human heart. And there were a few of those that I didn't even know existed. That was really great to kind of understand. And, and the concept of the book is that, you know, we are rooting language into the, uh, into the emotional concepts so that people can accurately describe how they feel in a moment to help other people understand where they're at. She says, if we have a common language that's backed by research, we'll find that we can more easily help share where we're at with others. Right. Well, that's exactly what an atlas does for a map. So she's giving us the atlas to our emotions and to the feelings that our heart feels. You know, what she reveals in, in this latest work is that after um, surveying thousands of people uh, about what emotions do they experience on, on a daily or a weekly basis, lots of emotions were named, but three were overwhelmingly named as those reoccurring emotions. And that's happy, sad, and mad. And what a what a just kind of disappointing outcome for the human experience to get boiled down to those three emotional dimensions. Because as you listen into the book, we really do have so much more depth and breadth with our emotions. And once we're able to articulate and identify those emotions, we can more easily navigate where they're trying to protect us or help us or guide us um, in ways that are more constructive and less uh, detrimental to our relationships and to ourselves. You know, there are so many amazing things that came out of this particular book um, and some incredible insights and takeaways. But because these are short episodes, I want to leave you with a quick short thing that I just thought was so stinking impactful. She said in the book that we experience emotional pain and physical pain in the same exact part of our brains and that the anticipation of this pain, either emotional or physical, is what drives fear. So just going to go through that again. We experience that emotional pain and physical pain in the exact same part of our brain. So when you say I have a broken heart and it hurts, or I feel uncomfortable with the, the way that this conversation is making me feel, you're right. And it's okay that those emotions give you physical reactions because it is real and it is being processed by those same exact centers in your big, beautiful brain. And as much as we love Brene Brown, who's coming up next is a giant in at the industry and in our world. And I'm betting you know who he is. <laughs> we'll be at you next with Tony Robbins. So one of the cool things about being K and Shy is that we get really cool access to really cool people, right? Sometimes we even get to interview those really cool people. And when we do, we put them into our exclusive celebrity interview series that's available to all of you at KandShy.com. Trust us, you want to hear what some of these people have to say. So we've got five influential people with five really cool interviews that we know you're going to love. We just want to give you that backdoor access that we occasionally get um, because 
because any time that we can bring our family along for the ride, that's what we're here to do. Right, if you wanna hear from America's super nanny, Deborah Tillman, if you wanna hear from Dr. Bruce Lipton, if you wanna hear from John Maxwell, then you've gotta get over there and get that celebrity interview series right now. Go to kandshy.com, that's K-A-Y-A-N-D-S-H-I.com to get these interviews. We can't wait to have you there. And remember, we're rooting for you. Next up in our book club series, we're bringing you the author, Tony Robbins. Now, Tony has had a great influence on Shyla and I's life. Shyla started listening to Tony Robbins material way back in like 2013, I think. And it was 2016 when we found ourselves at our very first Tony Robbins live event. And it was absolutely transformative as it can be. And as if you've ever been to a Tony event, you know, if you like personal growth and development and you also like high energy club-like experiences, this is the cross-section that you need to investigate because it is totally worth it. But even if that does not sound like you're seeing what Tony Robbins brings forward in his writings and his teachings and in his books, it should be your scene because it's incredibly powerful information that everyone should know. Now, you might know Tony Robbins Robbins is a big time kind of life coach for the celebrities and somebody who does these big events that are really focused around figuring out your own internal values and those sorts of things. He's mostly known as the author of Awaken the Giant Within. I know that they even released um, a Unleash the Power Within, which is the name of his banner event, uh, but there is a book of that same title. But Tony has taken a little bit of a shift in the last three books that he has released into helping people understand more about how to deal with finances and their health. So he's the author of Money Master the Game. It was a gigantic volume of his quest to go interview the most financially successful people in the world and find out what were the ways that they manage their money, not their mindset, but like the, the actual mechanics of how they manage their money. Then he released a book called Unshakable, which is all of the best principles out of Money Master the Game without all of the interviews um, and quite so many pages. And then most recently he has released, as Kay mentioned, a book about health called Life Force that is um, really amazing. And what he argues in this book about your health in particular, and then through his work in general towards our own lives, is that you really want to claim becoming the CEO of your health or your own life, becoming the manager, the person in charge, not just accepting what society deals to you, what a doctor says to you, what a parent has classified you as, what a teacher may have said to you, but really becoming your own CEO and manager manager and looking at how to best grow your life business in a way that's profitable to your emotional state and your ultimate fulfillment. One of the things that I appreciate so much about Tony Robbins as an author and kind of what he's taken within these last few books that he has released is that he has access to some of the most incredible thought leaders in the world. And not just thought leaders, but successful doctors, people who are on the cutting edge of technology, of science, of health, of money, of investing. I mean, people like Warren Buffett and Ray Dalio were contributors to Money Master the Game and, and people that he was able to sit down with in helping others understand. So he he takes his access and he opens it up to the general public in a way that helps you create a financial portfolio or a body portfolio in a way that um, can create just more longevity for your health and for your money. 
I love that Tony Robbins opens up his uh, his metaphorical Rolodex and shares that what his connections and what they've learned with everyone else. And that's what we've tried to do as well through our celebrity interview series. We've been uh, able to interview many celebrities and that series is available to you. If you go to kandshai.com, you can find it. But in Tony's books, he brings forward a lot of really practical advice. He always does come back to the fact that you could be the richest person in the world or the healthiest person in the world or the most abundant person in the world. But if your mindset and your internal game and experience is sour and, and not enjoyable, then your fulfillment and happiness in life will be greatly reduced and limited no matter how much on the outside you have. And so always coming back to that governing principle uh, for, for Tony, especially of that, how do you maintain and protect a strong mindset that allows you to stay optimistic and uh, motivated through even the hard stuff. So as we dive in uh, just a little bit into some of the things that we've understood and learned here uh, in Tony's books, you know, that mindset piece has, I think, been one of the things for Shyla and I that Tony was able to instill within us in going to his conferences and things. But the practicality that comes through these books, now they can be a little bit of bears. Let us, let us tell you. I mean, they're huge books. Uh, I think um, Life Force is like a 22-hour mm -hmm. audio endeavor if you're a listener like, like Shyla and I are. But they they are practical and filled with practical advice of things that you can do right now to start helping yourself become more financially free or more fit. So as much as we love Tony and could go on and on, and don't worry, he'll be a frequent mention on the <laughs> on the Kay and Shy show, we're ready to bring you our final author of the series, someone we love and respect, uh, and that is the amazing First Lady Michelle Obama. All right, family, final installment here in book club. We have one of our very favorite authors. She's only written one book, but my goodness, was it transformative for us both. This book is called Becoming and it's by the wonderful Michelle Obama. This book is a memoir. It's really, you get to sit and take a front row seat to Miss Michelle Obama's growing up um, and young adulthood and, and life and that what it's been like to be in that um, co-pilot seat to the first black president of the U.S. and what that rise was like. Um, and it's just, it's an inspiring tale and it's mostly a story, which I love because there's so much imagery and so much to connect to on a human level. And yet when she will stop on a, on a teaching point and give you some of that gold, it just hits so deep and in such a, a beautiful resonating way that I think only the kind of lesson that's extracted from a life story can. Well, many of us watched her life story kind of play out in the media and in front of us as she spent nearly a decade as our nation's first lady. You know, in the book, she talks about um, when they were having to do media training for her in the very beginning of a Barack Obama's campaign and as the campaign was growing steam and that, you know, she was coming across as a, what, what she says is a stereotypical angry black woman on, um, on her uh, uh, interviews that she was doing. And people were starting to say things like she's aggressive um, and she's, you know, angry. And she had to go through training in order to learn how to make different facial expressions and speak in different tones that allowed her to not give that impression. But seeing that evolution from, you know, the, the image of the first lady that I carry in my mind of the epitome of grace and understanding that that had to be something that she worked on and worked through was just so interesting to observe and to listen to. Yes. That, that story in particular, I think really highlights why she 
chose to name the book Becoming. Um, and a quote from the book, she says, for me, becoming isn't about arriving somewhere or achieving a certain aim. I see it instead as a forward motion, a means of evolving, a way to reach continuously toward a better self. The journey doesn't end. And so she's sharing with you insights from her journey that's behind her while still recognizing that she's a work in progress as we all are. Um, and that's exactly what we should be. And that, that you know, as cliche as it is, that it's, it is about the journey um, and trying to really embrace that and then find a way to become that best, fullest expression of who you're meant to be, um, even in the face of people saying that it should be different or that you aren't valid or that your kind is different. I mean, the, the amount of racism and hate that mm -hmm. she's experienced um, is pretty ugly and pretty nasty. And for her to be able to come out the other end, so mature, so compassionate, so uh, I think observant is a, another lesson in and of itself. You know, one of the major lessons from the book that actually struck Shyla and I on a very long-term um, level is this idea that she brings forward that it's hard to hate up close. Now, there are, it, it's no secret that the uh, United States' political climate is uh, full of, um, I would say, hatred. <laughs> yeah. from both parties and can be really difficult. But as she toured the nation, as she, uh, you know, came alongside people, as people came alongside her and learned that she was a good person and she learned more about what it meant to be a veteran's wife and as the, or a military wife or a military spouse. And as she learned more about the struggles of the nation's people, it, she really centered around this idea that the closer we can get to one another, the more compassion and empathy that we hold for one another. And it really does get summed up well in that quote that it's hard to hate up close. I love that she brought it's hard to hate up close. And Kay and I say that to this day and always attribute it to this book. And there's so many just beautiful pieces. A story that will stick with me forever is her learning piano from the woman who lived downstairs from them when she was a young girl uh, and going to her very first recital and the piano that she had to play at in that recital didn't have a broken chip on the middle C. And so she sat down at the keyboard and couldn't, didn't know where middle C was. And her, her, that downstairs neighbor who had been teaching her quickly realized what was happening, walked out on stage, showed her where C was, and she was able to perform her piece there. But I think there's just a lot of symbolism in that story. It's such a simple story. Um, and it's, it's kind of mundane. It's something that, that can and could happen to any of us. And yet, through stories like that, we get that, that seat and that behind the curtain view of her as just a human being, as just another person like us, even if she's reached this major level of achievement and that all of us are gonna be products of our environment. If you only ever lit, learn on a piano that has a chipped middle C, when you sit down at a beautiful clean keyboard, you might not know where to start, even though you know what to do once it does get started. So there was just so many beautiful moments in this book that we really enjoyed. We would absolutely recommend all of the books that we brought forward this week. Uh, Michelle Obama's Becoming, again, Tony Robbins, pick one of the five that he's <laughs> released. All of them are amazing. Brene Brown with, I think she has 10 titles. Um, Atlas of the Heart is the newest and the one that we went over. And then of course, Michael Singer's Untethered Soul. We hope that you enjoyed book club and family. If you're on our social media channels on our Instagram or in our Facebook group, we would wholeheartedly request that you come on down. Let us know what are your favorite books. We would love to know from you what should we add to this book club so that we can bring you even more in our next round of book club. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great weekend.